Hello, and welcome back to Management 101. I'm your host, Max Wenneker. Today's topic is about communicating with your organization. I'm going to talk through some good ways to do it effectively and also some examples uh, from organizations I've worked with. Why don't we start with the why? So why is communicating with your company or your team important at all? Let's say that you're a company of six people. Uh, it is really easy when you're six people to make sure that everyone knows what is going on. I work with a client that's about this size today. They are able to have a daily standup to discuss what everyone is doing. It literally takes 15 minutes for everyone to get caught up. But as your team or your company grows, that detail gets lost. Uh, when a company is, let's say, 60 people instead of six, now everyone has just a little bit less context of what is going on around them. People are going to start bumping into each other in their work. Not everyone will be rowing in exactly the same direction anymore. All these problems are more or less solved by good communication, and particularly when it comes from you as the leader. So you as a leader, generally speaking, are probably far more knowledgeable about what is going on around you than anyone who reports to you or anyone in your organization. You also have a clearer sense of why. There are three whys that I think are relevant here. One is the why that you're all here. What is the reason that this company exists and the direction it's going? Two, why are certain things being done in your company? Like why certain priorities exist and are being focused on? And three, why certain other things are not being done or have been deprioritized. When everyone clearly understands all three of these whys, it's a lot easier for individuals to prioritize the right work and involve the right people in that work as well. What are some indicators that your communication quality, quantity, or form could improve? Sometimes managers and leaders do not notice that there is opportunity to improve their approach to communicating until it's well past the time that their business is no longer performing the way that they expect. If you've arrived at the point of, my business is not doing what I think it's supposed to be, then you're definitely at a point of needing to shift the, the format in which you communicate. So here are, some, here are some indicators that prior to that point, perhaps your communication with your org could use improvement in some way. I came up with three. Now, one, you've been recently hearing complaints about people encroaching on each other's territory. And to be clear, I mean, this is not just related to one person who might be a bad culture fit, but more, more generally speaking, this is applying to multiple teams or multiple organizations. Two, you have noticed that certain people or teams are doing work that does not seem to align with what you think the larger, the company at large should be focused on. And then three, there are any indicators that morale has started to decrease, for instance, in an employee engagement survey. And uh, when I say that morale has decreased, I mean specifically related to the topics of um people finding meaning in their work and then also understanding their understanding of the company's priorities, mission, or goals. I'm going to go into the, each of these in a little bit of depth so you can get a sense of the context I'm talking about. So the first one, you've recently been hearing complaints about people encroaching on each other's territory. As a company leader and or people manager, you probably have one-on-ones with at least your direct reports if not also with people deep, deeper into your organization who don't directly report to you. I'll talk more about this later, but 
if you don't have these types of check-ins with people outside of your direct reports, I definitely encourage doing so. Like I mentioned earlier, it is totally normal for companies to start having territorialism as they grow. This is kind of natural, but it's also an indicator that not everyone is quite focused on the right set of initiatives, or at least they're not focused on it in the right way. If you are hearing from some of your team members that they're experiencing territorialism from other parts of the org, then you might be having this problem. People can run into each other when they're not super clear on what needs to happen and why. They might also run into each other if ownership is not being effectively identified and delegated by you and your leadership team. Scenario number two, you have noticed that certain people or teams are doing work that does not seem to align well with what you think the company should be focused on. This one might seem pretty obvious. If you've got teams or entire functions that are doing things that don't make sense to you, it is very likely that that team is not getting the information it needs about the company's priorities. I once worked on a team in which we decided that we were going to be laser focused on the unit economics of our business. I can't even tell you why. I just remember being really excited about it at the time. Um, we were really excited when at the end of, I want to say it was a couple months of work, um, we became the first business unit in the company to achieve operational profitability. That was awesome for us. The leader of the larger org, so it was like my boss's boss's boss, um, wasn't quite as happy. She wanted all teams focused on business growth and was very happy to sacrifice short-term profitability in order to achieve that. Um, we were focused on profitability at the expense of growth. Uh, and so the fact that those two things were misaligned between what we thought needed to happen and what the, the leader of the organization thought needed to happen indicates that there was probably some key communication points missing from that leadership team. Then the third scenario, uh, that there are any indicators that morale has decreased in some way, like in an employee engagement survey. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who has an extensive background in neuroscience, and he was explaining to me that uh, people inherently want to be part of something bigger than themselves because thousands of years ago when we were, uh, you know, hunters and gatherers fighting for our own survival every day, we needed that evolutionarily, we are wired to want to be a part of a collective where everyone has their own role. And the end result is that er the whole community thrives. Back then, it was some people hunting and some people gathering. Today, obviously, the survival part in a large corporation isn't quite as relevant, but our brains are still wired. I've found that people really crave meaning and inclusion from their work. And it feels really good to be a part of something bigger than yourself where you see both what your part in it is as well as where it is headed. So as companies get bigger, sometimes the what your part is as well as the where it's headed start to get a little bit less clear. In the absence of leaders stepping up their communication to ensure that people continue to understand these things, people can get disengaged. As a leader, it might seem obvious to you exactly where the company is headed. And you certainly know, of course, what everyone's part is in making that happen. But what you may not realize is that over time, your employees will naturally stop understanding that as well. 
do not assume that just because you maintain a clear vision and knowledge around how the company is supposed to operate, that so does everyone else. As you grow, everyone's going to get a little bit less context over time about what's going on in the company and what's supposed to be happening. And what will occur if you sort of expand that out a bit is people will be doing work that they really just don't understand how it layers into what the company is trying to do. And they will naturally feel a sense of disengagement. We've now talked about why communicating with your company or your team is important. Now let's talk through what the effective methods of communication actually are. So we know what the problems are and then here are the solutions. So I think that there are a few different methods of communication. I'm going to talk through the ones that are kind of my favorites. Uh, These are definitely not uh, the total sum of things that you can do, but they're at least good starting points. So one thing um, that I don't see every company do that I think is a really good mechanism to get people involved and sort of feeling the like they're a part of the larger company mission and they understand what's going on is the all hands. So an all hands is typically a meeting that is hosted by the leadership team of the company on a regular basis. I have been part of some companies, um, for instance, at Uber, we did this once a week, every single week, and it included a Q and a with the CEO. So he took time out of his day every single week to present and answer questions for the whole company. And I think it gave everyone a really good sense of what was on his mind and also where the, the direct, the, what the direction of the company was. Um, you as a leader can certainly host something similar for your own company. I think the, and all hands probably is best split into a few different parts. And, uh, I guess actually before we even get to those parts, let's just talk through some overall, uh, best practices. One, if you're going to host it every week, which is a totally reasonable thing to do, it's also important to think about the cost of that meeting and also people's attention spans. I find that most team meetings really shouldn't be going more than 30 minutes and an all hands is no exception. And all hands tends to be something that people are listening to rather than participating in. If you run a 300 person company, you cannot have it be a discussion, of course. So having a, having it set to just 30 minutes so people can really stay at attention the entire time is a good idea. Um, the other thing to think about is just, this is very tactical, but kind of important the day of the week that it happened. If you're um, hosting it on a Monday or a Friday, you might get folks who are out of the office sometimes, or really catching up from the weekend on Mondays. I find it best to be done, uh, during the middle of the week, like a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday, you have most of the org in office that's going to be in the office that week. And you also, um, people aren't super, um, overburdened or stressed by some of the other work that they're doing, like they might be on a Monday. So those are some basic tactical things. But now talking through what an all hands contains. Um, first, I think an all hands is a good place to talk through the current performance of the company. Um, some basic metrics talking through, here's how we've done over the last week or the last month. Here's the, tr- here's the growth of the business and our core metrics. And uh, based on the uh, goals that we've set for ourselves this quarter or this year, here's wh- how we're performing against those. Uh, no need to go into too much depth, but at least giving people a general update on what's going on in the business from a metrics perspective, as well as from a more qualitative perspective. Here are some major updates that are happening in our company. We just brought on this person or this leader who's going to help us do X, Y, or Z. Um, we just closed this really big contract with this vendor um, or client. Uh, who, um, you know, this is our biggest contract to date or something like that. Anything else that sort of like gives folks a sense of what's really going on more broadly at the company. 
Um, so that's part one. Keep that to five minutes or less. The uh, second part, uh, oftentimes I like having different parts of the org do updates on what's going on in their function. So for instance, um, I'm working with a, a client right now that's uh, a couple hundred people and uh, they, you know, they have a bunch of functions. They have the engineering and product function. They have the operations function. Uh, they have the support function. They have an accounting and finance function. When that company was 10 people, of course, everyone knew what each other was doing. Now that they're at this size, they don't anymore. Um, they might not even know everyone who's at the company at this point. So um, getting every uh, leader of each function to give a few bullet points as to like, here's what we're focused on and why right now could be a really good way to keep the rest of the company informed and make people feel like, oh, like I understand how all these different pieces fit together. Uh, and so definitely recommend some version of a, a an update by function. And you can either give that yourself as the leader or hand it off and have it be um, something that each function participates in. The next part, uh, this is part three of four. Third part is actually, I think, maybe one of the more important parts in terms of engaging people and making them feel like they're part of something bigger. And that is um, deep dive. So uh, one thing that I uh, got feedback on from one of my teams uh, when I was working in, in Latin America at Uber was we'd gotten to this, I guess, 30 or 40 people. And it had become clear at some point that like not everyone knew what each other was doing or why. Um, and it was one thing to sort of like have each of my leaders give updates on what their function was doing. But um, the, I think the feedback was something like, I don't feel like we're really like an entire unit. We are separate functions that just happen to report to one person. Um, and so we came up with the idea, and this was an idea that I came up with alongside the leaders of my team to try doing a project deep dive where we would have one person from within the team come up and present what they were doing or like a retrospective on something that they had done and, and basically go into like a lot more detail than most people normally got to see on the nuts and bolts of how a project went. So uh, there was one example where we had worked, someone on the team had worked on centralizing all of the, um, all of the safety screenings that we had done on, we were doing on drivers in the various countries that we were operating in. And it was an, very large project that involved a lot of different vendors, um, all kinds of documentation, you name it. Uh, and to centralize all of that under one roof was, was a really big undertaking for this person. Um, what we realized was it's very possible that none of the rest of the team even knew this person was working on it, let alone what it took to do that. And so we have this person come up and present sort of like, here was the problem I was trying to solve and why. Uh, they presented the steps that they went through, including even like screenshots or um, or uh, walkthroughs of some of the the tooling that they'd set up for for drivers to um, give us information that we could then use for their safety screening. Um, showed us you know, how some of these like more automated vendors work that we were previously doing manual work, and now we were using this really cool automated vendor where we just kind of like uploaded a list every day or happened in some automagic fashion that it wasn't happening before. Um, and then talk through after that, the results of that project. And maybe the whole thing took 10 minutes, but people were fascinated. The whole team was really interested in the, the nuts and bolts of this project. And it was really cool to see people kind of light up and be like, oh, wow, this is, 
work that my team was doing. This was really impactful and I completely understand why we were doing it. And now I see how much better off we are because of it. So um, that deep dive, um, one, certainly served the purpose of making feel people feel better connected to the company. Um, two, it helped that person uh, get, I guess, recognition for the work that they were doing. Um, and I think both of those things were really uh, great uses of time. And uh, we also, towards the end um, of, of that presentation, I remember people starting to raise their hand and ask questions and also present ideas like, hey, we were doing something that sounds kind of like that project in our area. We had a couple really interesting learnings or I would love to learn from you how you went about doing this specific thing. Maybe we could talk after. And suddenly these connection between teams in my board were, were forming in ways that would have literally required my own action uh, independently. And now we're happening very naturally because this person had simply presented their project, a really good team building activity and really help people feel like part of something larger. And the last part I think is, is almost equally as critical, which is the, the Q and a part. And this is where um, people can ask questions. And I think probably anonymously would be my recommendation of the senior leadership team of the company or of you, uh, as, as the CEO. Um, the reason I say that these questions might make sense to do anonymously is because there are often, um, questions that people have or concerns that people have that they do not wish to raise because they simply don't want to bite the hand that feeds them, but it is really important information or concerns to, to get out in the open. I think I've actually given this exact example uh, on this podcast before, but I, I remember there was one time where um, we were going through a really big change in one of my teams where we're actually shifting everyone from uh, contractors to full-time employees. This is a really big change. And overall, we, you know, we, as a, we as a senior leadership team at the company thought this was a really positive change. Um, when I presented this change to the team, and I, I here I was thinking, oh, this is a really good thing. I didn't see a lot of smiles in the room or in the Zoom room, I guess. And I was kind of confused as to why, but I, I made space multiple times during the presentation for questions. And I said, look, I'm, I'm even happy to sit here awkwardly in silence if um, people don't want to ask questions. Like I was really trying to make a joke out of the fact that no one was asking questions and still no one had to question. I, I left that meeting and I pinged my, my, um, the leads on my team who were d direct managers of these people. And I said, you know, we've talked through this change and my, um, this is literally based on the feedback that they were providing that they felt like, um, they didn't have job security and, um, they didn't understand why they weren't full-time employees of the company. And my leader, the leads just said to me, yeah, we don't know what's going on either. Um, we thought this change would be received well. So anyway. Fast forward a few days and uh, one of my leads comes to me and I think it was in a one-on-one -on -one and, and she said, okay, so I actually found out totally uh, randomly uh, or totally by coincidence, I, I happened to find out some more information about what, why people had such sort of like upset looks at that meeting. And uh, it turns out that there were a ton of concerns around what this meant from a taxation perspective, what this meant from a benefits perspective, all these questions that came up in individual one-on-ones that simply no one was co comfortable asking in a team meeting. Um, and so the next team meeting, 
I submitted a Q&A form beforehand and I um, basically like just gave an open field in a Google form and I said, fill out whatever questions you have. They will be totally anonymous and then we'll answer them in the team meeting. And then came in all the questions around what's the deal with benefits? Um, how does taxation work? Um, all of these questions that people simply weren't willing to ask live because I think they didn't want to look bad or you know, sometimes I'm not comfortable asking questions in front of a large group. Why, why wouldn't other people feel that way? And so the reason I say anonymous is because some of these things that are definitely concerns that are super valid may just be things that people don't want to ask in front of a whole other team or whole company. And so sending around a Q&A form beforehand at Uber, we use this um, tool called Slido, which allowed people to upvote certain questions, kind of like a Reddit thread. Um, and it allows the most, uh, most popular questions to rise to the top. And then you as a leader can answer them in front of everyone. It also gives you as the leader, the benefit of being able to see the questions in advance. So if it's a, if it's a hairier topic, you have some time to prepare the answer. I think this is also a really good way to help people feel like, uh, they are being heard and that they're involved, um, when they can literally ask questions of, of you as the CEO or the senior leader in the company. Cool. So we talked about all hands and some best practices there. Um, the next one is function level discussion. So taking a, a, a step down from the, the company leadership level and going into the individual function. So for instance, I have a, um, I have a client, uh, who I'm working with right now, who of course has a CEO and has a COO, but then there's like, uh, for instance, an, an operations org that includes, uh, the support organization, as well as some other, um, pieces of operations that maybe makes up 20% of the company's, uh, employees. And, uh, that team has a, has a weekly meeting where they go through more in-depth sort of like priorities and, uh, and plans and problems that they're facing. And, um, I have noticed that when the CEO joins these meetings, uh, the CEO and also the, the COO and the, and the senior leaders, when they join these meetings, they walk away with a much more nuanced understanding of what's going on at the company. And they, and, um, I even talked to them and it's, and we figured out how to make connections between what that team is doing and what another team is doing that might make sense to try to like put together or have work together in some way. Um, so having the senior leaders be part of those function level discussions and ask really thoughtful questions around, well, like, oh, how does this piece fit together with that piece? Uh, in the, in the right environment where you've built trust, you can then walk away and say, okay, like clearly these two functions are working totally in silos. Um, they might be even tripping over each other. Cause I heard this same discussion happen in another functional meeting. I'd better bring this group together and figure out how we, um, work on it as a larger company. So I think it's also potentially very useful to join function level discussions like ops or, uh, finance and accounting sales, you name it, like these different functions, having a senior leader, like a CEO or one level down, be part of those discussions and then try to triangulate or coordinate with other functions and then bring them together can, can yield really good results. Um, another approach that I like to take in terms of as a senior leader, like finding, uh, methods of communication to help people feel like they are, um, still connected to the rest of the company and connected to the leadership team is what I call skip levels. Um, if you're a CEO and you have a bunch of layers in your company, you might call them just sort of like randomized one-on-ones. 
when you um, have your normal one-on-ones, that's going to naturally be uh, something you do with your direct reports. And hopefully you do that on a pretty consistent basis. And if you don't, uh, please start doing that the whole episode dedicated to that. So we won't go too much into it here. Um, if you select on a, let's say a regular basis, someone random within the company, um, to chat with, uh, hopefully they're not too intimidated by it. I think you can probably message it in a way that is a bit disarming rather than like, oh my God, I'm about to talk to the CEO of this company that, uh, you know, I'm some, just some like very junior person in, and they're like 25 layers above me or whatever. Um, you know, setting up some time with them just for 30 minutes or an hour, make it really casual. It could be a coffee talk, lunch, chat, whatever, and just pick their brain. Um, ask them like, you know, why did they join the company? What, uh, what do they like doing here? Like, what's the reason that they're still here? What are the things that keep them up there at night about their job? What are the things that they don't like about the company? What would they want to change? All these questions sort of like, you know, if you really, um, build trust with someone and, and, and demonstrate that you're there to really learn and listen and not, uh, I think it's really important to not get defensive and not get accusatory. Like, oh, like this is a you problem or, well, here's the reason that it is this way. Like avoid that kind of language and really just listen and say, oh yeah, like that, that does sound like a big problem. I, I definitely want to understand that more. Can you tell me more about why that's happening? You can, um, set up that type of interaction and really get that information from these random individuals from within the organization. I can guarantee you that that is information that one is going to be really useful and two you would never have gotten any other way uh, because the likelihood that information or concerns or ideas trickles up from the very bottom layer of the org through multiple managers all the way to you as the senior leader um, is almost zero. It's going to be filtered in some way. There are going to be a lot of people in between who either play the game of telephone and that information kind of gets warped in some way or maybe someone along the way doesn't feel that that information is very important or maybe it makes them look bad in some way and basically the information doesn't end up getting to you so having these random one-on-ones throughout the org you might get like some really interesting insights around how the company is doing or um how different functions are handling certain problems or uh stones that have been left unturned that are big opportunities for the company uh, that you simply would never have gotten otherwise when i was in college we did a we read a case study about uh this airline called sas this is scandinavian air system they're like the the major airline across uh scandinavia they had a they had a CEO who came in and i want to say in the 80s and early 90s and the the company was falling apart and he published this, um, what they called the little red book. I'll have to find that cause it was a really interesting case study, but, um, published this thing called the little red book, which, um, basically outlined, um, the need for communication from the front line directly to the executive suite. And, um, he went out of his way to interact with frontline employees. We're talking gate agents, um, ticketing agents, flight attendants, pilots, you name it, all the, all the people that actually made the things happen on the ground, um, and encourage them and even set up systems by which they could directly communicate ideas or thoughts or concerns with the CEO. And he would respond personally. And what resulted was an incredible turnaround of this company, um, over the course of a few years, as all of this information that had been stuck at the bottom layer of the org trickled its way up 
to the people who could actually make decisions and make changes. Uh, one thing that resulted was just like there was a lot of great ideas down there. Um, but two, the other thing was that the um, the engagement within the uh, it, the ranks of the employees really changed because suddenly people felt like they were being heard and they were a part of something because literally the CEO of the company was personally responding to their ideas and enabling them to take frontline action or or just to surface what they thought to the people who could actually make a difference. And so um, the culture completely turned around and, and employee engagement skyrocketed. So those random one-on-one, they're going to be awkward at first. I, I can guarantee that. But uh, you'll hopefully get the hang of them over a couple reps and you just think about it as like, hey, I'm just here to listen. Um, you know, and this is another human being. Hopefully that can Hopefully that can help you sort of feel more comfortable with the, the interaction that otherwise like wouldn't have happened. Um, the other benefit I think of, of doing these is word will get around. Um, it is very clear when I work with companies, whether people feel like the CEO and the leadership team are accessible or not. And it is very clear the impact that that has on people's levels of engagement. When someone feels like they can bring thoughts, ideas, concerns to the leadership team, they feel much more comfortable and engaged than someone who feels like they're in a place where they're simply being told what to do. And of course, you as a leader probably have no idea you're giving off this vibe, but most leaders give off the vibe that like, you know, I am focused on certain things. And while, you know, some of them might make it clear that the people on their team are important to them. I think naturally in the hierarchy of organizations, they also make people feel like there are different levels of individual and, and simply like, it's not worth my time as an executive to be talking to you, um, you know, at the entry or bottom level of the organization that, that, uh, that creates a culture, whether you intend it to or not, and it creates a set of expectations and, um, it creates power distance and, uh, none of those things are good for companies that want to stay innovative and stay nimble and want to keep people engaged uh, over the long term. The last idea I'll mention, I guess I've got an idea and a half left, if you will. The, the, the last full idea I'll mention is, is emails. There is um, definitely a place for written communication from the CEO. What I have found historically is that CEOs only send emails when something really bad has happened and they're super long emails and they are very... Uh, uh, curated. So it sounds like it's coming from like a PR team and it's super long and, um, it's kind of hard to read. If you as a CEO or a COO or a leader in your organization, just want to send ad hoc or even like, you know, weekly or monthly emails, just saying, Hey, here are the, here's what's on my mind right now. Um, here's some really big wins that I've heard about. Um, here are the challenges I really want to figure out as an organization. You're going to People feel like they are a part of something. You're going to help people feel like they understand what's going on at the company. And you're really going to create levels of engagement that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, to build that muscle of just sending a note to the team and saying, hey, here's, here's what I think is going on right now. In a, in a more casual way than maybe an all-hands presentation normally would be. Just a email from the CEO with uh, my thoughts on life and maybe, you know, Dunkin's best coffee flavor this month or something like that. And the last kind of like half idea I'll mention is one of the other ways that um, I find is an effective method of communication is when you insert yourself into areas where there are currently uh, problems. So um, 
uh, I'm just thinking of an example with one of my clients recently you had this like product org and you had this ops org that were both having challenges. Um, they were basically both focused on solving the exact same problem. And, uh, all of the, uh, all of the like coordination that had to happen to make those two teams work together was going through the, the CEO and the leadership team, but never in one room. So you had this one function that was kind of like operating as a silo. I think it was product, let's say, and they were trying to solve a bunch of problems and they would say, Hey, we need ops's help. So they'd go to the CEO and the CEO would then trickle that back down to ops and say, Hey, can you figure out how to connect these dots or how to, how to coordinate? And then ops would say, Hey, we're trying to solve this problem. We need products help. And they'd go to the CEO and the CEO would tell product, Hey, can you figure this out? That should have been a really good indication that some sort of more formal coordination was needed. Uh, when you have teams that are running into each other that are being territorial, even if it's unintentional, um, you as a CEO, um, instead of saying, hey, go figure it out, which is what I often hear happen because CEOs are really busy people. You as a leader saying, hey, go figure it out because you're really busy. Um, step in, set up a meeting, figure out first, what is the underlying problem that needs to be solved? And then delegate to an owner and commit to a recurring check-in on that problem. If it is something that is slowing down the team and causing people to feel disengaged, it is a very important problem. And instead of delegating to your team and getting uninvolved from there, get more involved and figure out how you as the leader can help push people forward as a unit rather than saying, hey, just go sort it out. So I think inserting yourself into um, problems of coordination between teams or problems of territorialism and saying, okay, like this isn't working. I want to hear, I want to understand what's happening. And then I want to assign an owner and have like, a very clear plan to solve this. It will go a long way towards people feeling like one, you're in, you as the leader are involved in, and they believe that you are actually trying to help solve this problem. And two, you'll actually help solve the problem. So, uh, I know I've been kind of droning on now for a while about different methods of communication. Hopefully you've, you've gotten something useful out of all of these and, uh, uh, can apply them in your own organization. And, uh, hopefully that helps create higher levels of engagement as well as uh, helps you get better information about what's going on in your org and, and helps you make better decisions over time. So thanks so much for listening and, uh, and talk to you next time.